This podcast is brought to you by FanshareSports.com, a website that compiles and curates the weekly recommendations of daily fantasy industry experts for you to gauge which players will be the most popular and which players are going overlooked. Head on over to FanshareSports.com and check it out. Welcome in everybody to an impromptu edition of the Ride in NFL DFS podcast. Salaries have just been released for week one of the 2019 season. I'm pretty pumped. Going to give you an initial reaction, quick podcast on the prices of the different positions that just jumped off the page to me when I first went through them, uh, when I realized that pricing had come out. Uh, today is Sunday, July 28th. So obviously we have five, six weeks about uh, until the first regular season game of the, of the 2019 season. So obviously you guys know how week one works. Um, over the next month of training camp and preseason game, there are going to be injuries. There are going to be some surpri- surprise uh, suspensions and all kinds of different things that are going to make this pricing very inefficient when it comes to actually submitting lineups uh, in the second weekend of September. So obviously this is just an initial reaction, kind of the, the, the guys that jumped off the page that I thought um, are too cheap or too expensive, etc., uh, but obviously, once it gets closer, there are going to be some some massive inefficiencies, and it's going to lead to some high ownership on a lot of guys, which we can use to our advantage, or um, we can, you know, just eat the chalk. We'll see when it gets closer. Uh, but for the most part, it looks like the DraftKings algorithm uh, and just salary structure has remained the same. QB is very flat. Uh, most of the quarterbacks are in the 5 to 6K range. Uh, I would say there's only about a 1500 to $2,000 gap in, in viable quarterbacks from Mahomes all the way down to um, the guys in the low 5K range like Sam Darnold. Um, running back also remain the same. There's feature backs at the top that are 8, 9K. Those are the guys that are going to get 20-plus touches, three down backs, goal line backs. Um, like your Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey uh, type backs, and then they trickle down from there. Stud receivers top out at about 8K, and this is generally what we've seen from DraftKings uh, salary structure over the last two years or so. And then at the tight end position, you have the studs that are priced like wide receiver twos, um, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, those are generally guys that are the wide receiver one or two on their team that are going to provide some safety in paying up. Uh, a strange middle tier that really didn't do too well last year on DraftKings. It really did not make much sense to pay up for the middle tier last year, uh, just based on the fact that a, another th- an extra $1,000 or so could get you uh, a Kelsey or an Ertz or a Kittle and you can have the wide receiver one uh, on certain offenses, and then we just have complete 
pump plays at tight end, which also really didn't work out too well. There was a lot of weeks where, uh, for instance, David Njoku, CJ Uzama were the chalk at tight end um, in the 2.5 to 3K range, and they just put up absolute goose eggs for us. So uh, at least in the last two years, it really paid up to pay, paid off to pay up at tight end um, to have that, that safety. If you could find cheaper guys at wide receiver, uh, that was the way to go. So let's take a look at pricing here. Uh, we'll start, obviously, with the quarterback position. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is the... Most expensive quarterback, um, I think we might be able to get him at a, a decent ownership percentage. He's on the road at Jacksonville. I think that might shy some people away, and I could see Mahomes being a, a nifty QB play in week one. Obviously, he'll carry ownership because he's Patrick Mahomes, but I think he, he won't be a, a 15 to 20% guy in tournaments, that's for sure. Uh, and it's important to note that in these large field tournaments, um, I look back at the last few years of the Millie Maker, and generally you need four guys, uh, four to five guys under 10% ownership uh, on average, right? Some weeks were chalky and there, there was only two or three. Some weeks were um, really off the map and there was five or six. But generally you need around four guys under 10%. Uh, ownership with two of them usually being under five percent so it, it really does you really do have to mine for some low on plays if you're going to take down these massive hundred thousand entrant tournaments and generally um, the low owned players uh, for the most part when I look back came from the quarterback and wide receiver position so that's just something to keep in mind uh, from there, I was really surprised to see Jameis Winston as the third highest priced quarterback on the board, but uh, it does follow the trend of, of DraftKings pricing up guys in, in good matchups. He does face the Niners at home. Um, a ton of hype coming into this year for Chris Godwin uh, and the Bucks offense in general. I think that that is the reason that Winston is, is checking in as the third most expensive quarterback at $6,600. Um, I think he is going to be popular because I think Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are going to be popular, so there probably will be a lot of buck stacks uh, in week one. From there, I think, depending on Zeke's status, I really think Dak Prescott is going to carry a lot of ownership in week one, and for good reason. They're home against the G-Men. Uh, he could definitely uh, smash value. He, especially now that Mari Cooper is his go-to number one guy. Uh, we saw last year when Cooper came to town, just how that elevated Dak's floor immensely. Uh, last few weeks of the season, he was absolutely crushing it. From a, a salary uh, perspective on DraftKings, he will probably be a uh, highly owned cash game play I would say and then from there I've already seen on Twitter a lot of buzz about Kyler Murray's price uh, facing Detroit at home the only issue there I could see is uh, Detroit loves to slow the game down um, it looks like they're going to put an emphasis on the run this year Murray may not get uh, to get into a rhythm of that Cliff Kingsbury high 
high octane up tempo offense in in his first regular season start. Uh, I think he's going to be heavily owned as well, uh, especially because all of the Cardinals receivers are also uh, pretty cheap under 5K. From there, um, Carson Wentz's price uh, stuck out to me a lot as well. Uh, it is a divisional game. They're playing the Redskins, but they're also at home. From all the training camp reports thus far, I know we're only about a week in, but it just seems like Doug Peterson wants to uh, throw the ball a lot. Um, they, they really don't, don't have uh, one set running back that I think they're going to try to pound the ball with. Those guys are all going to rotate in. Howard, Sanders, um, Darren Sproles now. So I think it's a pretty safe bet that Carson Wentz will have a good amount of volume um, at home against the Redskins for 5.7K. Uh, and then that was pretty much it. Um, that that uh, everyone else looks to be priced pretty fairly. Um, and as we know, quarterbacks generally very flat in terms of pricing and ownership. Um, so honestly, worrying about ownership uh, percentage for QB is generally not something I tend to do. You kind of can go with your favorite plays, uh, and usually they won't uh, be too heavily owned just because you can only roster one out of the 24 quarterbacks on the board. Uh, at the running back position, uh, it looks like they've done a decent job of pricing up backups once again this year so we're not going to have many guys that are going to have a huge role that are completely mispriced at 3k 3.5k um, Justin Jackson is at 4k which is doable if Melvin Gordon does sit um, Austin Eckler is 5.5k so he's rosterable if Gordon is out but he's not the absolute lock smash if that's the case uh, I think Carlos Hyde and Darwin Thompson could have some value now that Damian Williams came up lame with a hamstring in camp. Uh, so those are two guys to keep an eye out on if Damian Williams can't play in week one. And then also the Eagles situation. If uh, Jordan Howard or Miles Sanders are said to have you know, taken a commanding lead on the touches in that backfield, they are also pretty cheap but I think that's going to be a really split up backfield and then I think Darren Sproles could have a lot of value um, he is said to have been working pretty heavily in the passing downs at Eagles camp right now and he is min price so if he is going to come in at 3k and get us four five six catches uh, that's definitely doable uh, for some salary re relief uh, in the middle range, I think there's only two guys that are mispriced, and that is Mark Ingram, who is on the road at the Dolphins uh, for 5.1K. He is looking like he is going to have a huge share of that Ravens backfield, and we know that they love to run the ball with Lamar Jackson. We know that Lamar Jackson opens up lanes because he needs to be accounted for uh, by a defender or two. So I really think... Mark Ingram could be chalky and actually a really good play in week one. And then Darius Geis looks like he might be uh, a pretty solid play. He looks to be healthy and at 4,400 against 
the Eagles. Um, I don't think that's too terrible of a play at that price. But everybody else really uh, didn't, um, you know, raise any eyebrows. I think everybody's priced pretty fairly. In that 6K range, I think we're probably going to have to guess right in there um, to win a GPP. And that's like that Chris Carson, Dalvin Cook, uh, Joe Mixon type range where uh, pinpointing who's going to really smash and get a 30-40 fantasy point game out of those. Five to six K guys uh, could really uh, win you a GPP because the ownership is going to be spread out. Um, as far as the studs, uh, I think I'll reserve judgment there until we get closer. We don't know Zeke's situation. We don't know Gordon's situation. We don't know the extent of Gurley's health. Um, obviously, we love Saquon and. Christian McCaffrey, uh, but we're still not 100% sure on, on all of the top back situations there. So I love to jam in the stud running backs because we know their production is safe and we know we can count on their touches and their targets. As far as who that's going to be for me, I'm not 100% sure, uh, obviously, as of yet. Uh, at the wide receiver position, uh, one thing to note is that it's the least predictable position. Uh, I did some research over the last few years of how the chalk plays plays out um, in tournaments uh, and just in general. And often the chalky wide receivers do not pay off their salary. So that's something to keep an eye on. Usually we want to uh, be a little bit off the board at wide receiver just because their production is so volatile, right? They get these targets that are deep downfield for many of them and there's a lot of variance there you know uh, it's very hard to complete the act of a 40-yard catch so even though DeAndre Hopkins might get 12 targets or Deshaun Jackson might get 12 targets uh, the, uh, the act of them actually hauling that pass in and then running and scoring is very is a variant thing Whereas, you know, running backs who get the ball handed to them or usually get short passes, we can, we can count on those a little bit more. So paying up at those positions where the floor is safer is definitely my idea uh, of the way to go in cash. Uh, as far as wide receivers, that um, kind of raised some eyebrows for me, jumped off the page. Uh, Paul Richardson and Trey Quinn, I think they're going to be trailing as the Redskins, Redskins go to Philly, so I think they're going to be peppered with targets. I really like Chris Conley this year in best ball. I think he's being underrated. I think he could come out as the wide receiver one in Jacksonville at year's end. So those guys are pretty much uh, in the 3K range. I think those guys have a really good shot at smashing value in week one. Uh, Curtis Samuel and John Brown are underpriced for sure. Um... I think they're going to light up the preseason in the limited reps that they'll have and continue their off-season hype and their redraft best ball hype uh, this year as well. And I think at the, in the low 4Ks, they'll be pretty popular for good reason. Um, and really the only other two wide receivers that I thought I should mention here are Chris Godwin and... Tyler Lockett and then I guess maybe Tyler Boyd now that AJ Green has suffered an injury um I was afraid that Godwin and Lockett would be too cheap and then in return be very very 
chalky in week one, but they're not. They're not cheap. They're priced in the 6K range. I think that was a really good job by DraftKings to um, kind of match their hype with their salary in, in week one. Probably will keep their ownership a little at bay uh, if you want to roster them. Tyler Boyd obviously will be pretty chalky if A.J. Green is out uh, in week one at 5,800. Uh, but then as far as the stud wide receivers go, let me just pull them up here. Um, obviously, we have Beckham. He's probably going to be popular because of the buzz of him in Cleveland. Julio uh, will probably uh, be fairly popular. Dome game at Minnesota. Um, and then from there, I think everybody's just fairly priced. Uh, maybe Amari Cooper. Uh, to pair with a chalky Dak. That'll probably be a fairly high-owned stack uh, in week one. But nobody else really jumps off the page. And I think that's a good thing, um, right? Obviously, as as the month wears on, uh, injuries and, and suspensions, as I said, will, you know, just cause some inefficiencies, which will make some certain guys really highly owned. And that's fine to roster them in cash, but those are guys that I would think about straying away from in tournaments, uh, unless you think it's an absolute lock smash play. As far as the tight end position, um, I was very uh, successful in paying up for tight ends in cash last year and in tournaments. Um, there's just a handful of guys who are going to act as if they are their team's wide receiver ones uh, or twos, Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, um, maybe to an extent. Evan Ingram in the first few weeks if Shepard and Golden Tate can't go. Uh, but in cash, I'll always try to pay up for those guys. And they're priced well, uh, or at least accurately, right now on DraftKings in the 6 to 7K range for Kelsey Kittle and Ertz. Um, but it was, just, it was just a crapshoot at tight end. And I think it'll continue to be as, um, you know, guys like, Njoku and Jordan Reed, Delaney Walker, Kyle Rudolph, they just uh, will have um, up and down games. And I think it's just really safe to lock in the, uh, the guys, the tight ends that are priced up that are basically wide receivers uh, in their offenses. Evan Ingram did jump out. It's me. I think he'll be really chalky in week one if Shepard, Tate, or both can't go, and I think that's fine in cash and in tournaments. Um, Greg Olson, if he's 100% healthy at 3,200, and Austin Hooper at 3,200, uh, I think will be pretty good plays. I think Hooper will be a little bit chalkier just because he has a ton of buzz, um, and Olson's kind of seen as, as like a washed, uh, old, you know, slow guy. But I think both of those guys are decent plays. Uh, and then, I mean, if you go complete punt, Mike Gesicki, I really like uh, Mark Andrews uh, and maybe even Dallas Goddard uh, as just complete punt cheap plays. But for the most part, I think DraftKings did a really good job uh, in pricing up those positions. There weren't too many, at least right now as the salaries came out, too many inefficiencies that really... Um, that really stuck out. Obviously, more will arise as injuries, etc., occur, uh, but a pretty decent release uh, of salaries.
from a defensive standpoint, um, I, I do like the Eagles and the Cowboys uh, up in the, the high tier. I think that Eli and uh, Dwayne Haskins or Case Keenum, whoever it may be, could struggle on the road uh, in a division game with limited weapons. Uh, and then in the lower tier, I think the 49ers are, re- are extra cheap facing a turnover-prone Jameis Winston, and the Falcons uh, really came on at the end of last season and could get after Cousins and force him into one of his multiple turnover games as well. So really I'm not looking at uh, are they going to shut down the opposing offense, but those four teams are facing quarterbacks that I could see turn the ball over a bunch. Uh, So those are the ones that stuck out to me there. Obviously this is all just initial reactions things can completely change and they will completely change by the first week of September. As far as what I have going on for the rest of the month, I'm actually going to Alaska on a cruise in a few days, so I won't be around for the first week of preseason, which hurts my heart. I will have an article up on 4 for 4 about the Hall of Fame game slate, most likely, and then weeks 2, 3, and 4 of the preseason, I'll also um, put up my normal article like I did last year, just detailing kind of the training camp notes and which players to look out for uh, in those preseason games. And then I'll be doing the DraftKings complete slate breakdown uh, on 4 for 4, as well as contrarian stack plays uh, on 4 for 4 as well. As far as the podcast goes, I'm, I'm looking to crank out a few episodes a week going forward, uh, actually as soon as I get back from Alaska. So in about a week or so, we'll, we'll go multiple times per week um, on just some of the things I've researched throughout the offseason, millimaker trends, uh, double up cash lines, uh, tout accuracy, not specific touts, but how often the chalk hits at the position. Uh, I even broke it down into price ranges, um, which priced uh, which which positional price ranges are the easiest to predict, etc. So there's some good info and good trends there. If you haven't, I have two podcasts that we did in the offseason. One was a roundtable where I picked the brains of eight really sharp DFS players on the lessons they learned in 2018. Great uh, episode from February. And then I also did a short podcast on double up cash lines and uh, which games you should have your money in uh, as far as cash games go in March. So check those two out. Thank you for listening to this one and keep your eyes peeled for all my articles on 4 for 4 and my podcasts on this channel going forward. Enjoy the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. I'll see you when I get back from the Pacific Northwest.